0: Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. Our current sermon series is called Remember and Proclaim. The title of Dr. Swan's sermon today is We Are Empowered by the Holy Spirit. The text comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. The theme is that Acts 2 recounts the day of Pentecost, when God poured out His Holy Spirit on Jesus' first disciples, and they are enabled to speak in languages that were not their own. We are dependent on the Spirit to be at work in us as we carry out our mission. I
1: invite you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're currently in a sermon series that I'm calling Remember and Proclaim. And the idea of this series is to look back at some pivotal moments in the book of Acts and also to look back at some things that have happened in our church over the years in an effort for us to be reminded of some important things and characteristics that ought to be at work in our church in every season and every age. So we looked on Easter Sunday and we reminded ourselves that Jesus is risen from the dead and that that is the good news and the hope of the gospel that God has done this work through in Christ to reconcile us to himself and to each other. Last week we talked about the importance of remembering that God's called us to be a part of a mission in this place. That we're not just a bunch of consumers showing up to get what we want or kind of being critical of everything if it's not exactly like we think it ought to be. But there's this bigger mission that God's given us to be equipped to serve his purposes in the world. And so this week we're going to talk a little bit about how it is that we pursue that mission and the strength that God provides and not in our own strength. Okay. So with that context in mind, I invite you to listen carefully. If you're following along in the Bible there in your pew, we're on page 771. when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I had a pretty... Um, firm ritual that I followed most Sundays growing up. We would wake up, and we would go to church. And then after church, we would go home. And usually, my sweet mom would cook Sunday lunch for us. My favorite, if I can even taste it now, would be fried chicken and macaroni and cheese and biscuits and gravy. You know, that kind of Sunday lunch. And then you should ask Mary about this. She gives me a hard time about this and all the women would stay in the kitchen and clean up, and all the men would go into the den and watch NASCAR. And Mary pointed out the inconsistencies in such an approach and that that the ladies didn't really enjoy their time in the kitchen and that perhaps the men could come in and help out from time to time. But we would sit there, and NASCAR is a wonderful thing to watch when your stomach is full on a Sunday afternoon. Largely because it's just, it's, it's, Multiple, multiple rounds around the track. And if you've ever been to a NASCAR race, has anyone here been to a NASCAR race? God bless each and every one of you. If you haven't, you should, okay? It's quite an experience to go out to a NASCAR race and do some people watching. There's some wonderful tattoos at a NASCAR race. And, but, but really, when you're in there, it's super loud. And as they're racing 500 miles, Think about that for a second in one trip. It's easy to lose sight of who's winning, right? You're in the stands, and if there wasn't this little leaderboard on the infield, you would literally have no idea, like, who's in front, who's in back as you're watching them go round and round and round the racetrack. But usually the end was worth waking up from your nap for because then strategy kind of comes into play here. And one of the main things that's interesting in a NASCAR race, to me at least, is the fuel mileage strategy. So if you're finishing under green, which is what you hope for, then it really becomes interesting to decide, do we go in and take on extra gas? That's obviously going to cost us more time, but might ensure that we can actually finish the race, or do we just go for it? Do we just roll the dice and we know it's close right? They don't have fuel gauges quite as closely navigated as you and I do. And so it's kind of just like, we've, we've done the calculations, we think we can make it. Let's roll the dice and see. And sometimes it would work. And you'd watch the, watching the race on TV and you hear the announcers talking. they're like, we don't, we're not sure if he's going to make it. And you watch and it was like exhilarating as they like actually made it across the finish line, perhaps in one. And it was also incredibly defa- deflating you watch the car on the back stretch, and you're like, well, it obviously ran out of gas. And Here's the thing. Perhaps you've done that on a family vacation. I know I have. You know, the gas light comes on, and you think, hmm, how far do you think we can go? And do that deal where you top the hill, and I'll put it in neutral and just kind of coast for a while, then kick it back into drive. It's kind of a fun game to play to see if you can actually make it to the gas station. But when you're, when you're watching this and you're watching it in NASCAR, you're reminded that you can have the best car and not win. Like you could, you could be leading all the laps. The suspension could be dialed in. You could have fresh tires. You could have the best engine. Like everything could be perfect. You could have the best car and you could still not win if you don't have gas. But that empowering force in the car is truly essential to make sure that you finish the race. I think there's a parallel for us as a church. Now you might be thinking, really? Yes, because as we think about the future that God has for us, and we think about the mission that he's called us to pursue, it could be easy for us to look at everything that we have from a human perspective, all the things that are assets for us, and think that ultimately, that we're going to faithfully pursue this mission because because we have better cars, so to speak, than other people. And we can look at me and say, all right, we've got some really talented, smart people in our church. Check. That's in our favor. We have a really great church located in a really great location in Mountain Brook. Boom. That's in our favor. And we can start looking at all these things. We can think, well, if we just market ourselves the right way, if we just kind of touch these felt needs of people in the community, they're just going to flock in here. And it can be really easy if we're not careful to lose sight. While all those things are good, while all those things are helpful, if God is not at work in and through us by the power of his Holy Spirit, then nothing of consequence will ultimately happen here. We like the car that's going around the backstretch and we just kind of slowly cruise to the side. And that's the picture that we get in Acts chapter 2. Now, if you remember back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus was getting his disciples ready for that season of life when he would ascend to be with the Father, he told them that they needed to wait until the Holy Spirit came and that the Holy Spirit would be the empowering force in their witness. And when you get to Acts chapter 2, we get to read about that actually happening in their lives. Now, think about this for a moment, and remember, every time you read the Bible, you should you should think about what it would be like for you to be there and that it would be just as weird and crazy if you were there as it was in what you read in the text. So imagine if we gathered here this morning we were all praying and a sound like a mighty rushing wind came through this place and we saw tongues of fire descending upon all of us who were gathered. And then we got up and we started talking and we had an international array of guests here and they could all understand what we were saying. Can you imagine being a part of such a thing? My, uh, one of my professors from seminary came Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Holy Week, and he, he made this comment that I thought was interesting. He said, I hope in heaven we have movie night and we gather around like, the city square or whatever and we get to watch movies of these incredible things that happened in the Bible, like actually, actually happened." If we were get to do that, I would put Acts chapter 2 up there of things that I would like to see played out on the big screen. And the only word that Luke can use to describe how the crowd responded to what happened was bewilderment. Have any of you used the word bewildered lately? I haven't. But it's a word that Luke had to grasp at to, to communicate just how strange and odd this this thing was that happened on the day of Pentecost. Nobody had a category for what had happened. And all those lists of names that I read, probably incorrectly. Here's a side note. If you're in Sunday school and you read Scripture publicly and you don't know how to pronounce the words, just be confident. No one else knows either. Okay, so I probably didn't read all those exactly correctly. But the point is that they're from all over kind of the known world at that time. And so what Jesus had said in Acts chapter 1, 8, that you'll be my witnesses even to the ends of the earth, it's starting already to be fulfilled as this international group had made their way to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And they stood up and they proclaimed the mighty works of God and they understood what they said as if they were talking through a, a translator. Maybe you picture yourself at the United Nations And there's one person speaking and all of us are delegates from different countries and we've got the earpiece in. And somebody's up there talking in French, but guess what? You've got English piped into your ears. Kind of a similar thing is happening on the day of Pentecost. And the crowd that's gathered, they're just like, we know that these people are Galileans. We know they're common, ordinary people. We know that they don't speak all these languages, but in some way that God's at work here we can hear what they're saying as if they're speaking in our own language. I think it's important for us as we look at the birth of the church in the book of Acts to remember that, that you and I need the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to faithfully accomplish the mission that God's put before us just like the original disciples did. Now, it may be that you have all kinds of questions about the Holy Spirit. And you may have all kinds of questions about speaking in tongues. And as I read this passage this week, and as I read some comments on the New Testament, um, wider evidence or witness about tongues, it's definitely kind of a confusing topic overall. There's kind of two different things that happen. One, what happens here in the book of Acts, where people speak and other people are able to understand it in a different language. And then there's this thing where people speak in a way that's not a language, but somebody there can understand and hear what they're saying and interpret it for the group. But the point I want you to walk away from today is that for the disciples to accomplish the mission God had given them, they needed supernatural help, the power of the Spirit at work in them to accomplish the task. And you and I may not have to speak in front of a multilingual group of people, and proclaim the gospel, but it's just as necessary for us as we move out and we try to proclaim the gospel in our community and neighborhood, as we try to live into the Christian life that God's called us to live, to be dependent upon God's supernatural power at work in us, and it's more than just a human enterprise that you and I are engaging in, in our own strength and abilities. So two, two main areas that I want you to be thinking about this as a church as we enter into what I think will be an exciting season in the life of our church. One, as we are moving outside the doors of the church and we're engaged in ministry, or maybe God calls you to be a Sunday school teacher to some other group in the life of the church, there's two errors that you can make. One, you can think that you're pretty talented and awesome, and God would be lucky to have you on his team. And really, as you read the book, um, all the books of Scripture together, you get this overwhelming sense that God chooses really unlikely, unusual people to be a part of His mission in the world. Not the people who are the strongest, not the people who seem to have everything that, that you and I'd be looking for to be a part of His mission in the world. I read James chapter 4, part of it this morning. You know what James says? God opposes the who. Do you know? Proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know if if, um, you're like me, but I really don't want to oppose God in my life. I don't think that'd be a good, good idea. So maybe if you think that you'd be great and God would be lucky to use you, maybe you're reminded that apart from God's work in me, I have nothing to bring to this. But I think I see more often the case in church, people who think that they don't have anything to offer and so they don't step out and do anything. And they might say, well, how could I teach Sunday school? I've, I've never been to seminary like you have, or I've never had all this training, or I've never done this. I want you to hear this morning that, that God doesn't just use people who have it all together, but if you will step out in faith and trust that God will provide the resources that you need, that you'll, you'll experience this wonderful part of the Christian life, that as you step out and as you seek to be faithful to his calling, God provides the resources that you need so that he might be glorified in you. So I want you to think about that as a church moving forward, that, that as opportunities for service come up, rather than just looking at what you have or what you bring to the task, ask the Lord to give you faith, to believe that as you step out in obedience, God will give you what you need accomplish the task. The second area that I want you to be thoughtful about relying on the Holy Spirit is in our relationships with each other. I don't think that we think about this enough. That as we live in relationship with each other inside the church, that that oftentimes we operate according to human principles and not supernatural principles. That when Jesus calls us to love each other, even like we love ourselves, that that is not something that you can just kind of make happen in your own power and in your own strength. You may be able to do it for a while, but people are people, friends. <laughs> and you've got to live in relationship with them for the long haul. And if we're just trying to do it in our own power and our own strength, we're not going to be able to do it. There's this really beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians, I think. I told the group this morning in the 9 o'clock service that the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians give me so much hope. As a pastor, because if I ever felt discouraged about anything I faced in ministry, just reading First and Second Corinthians reminds me that things could be worse. <laughs> Their church was a mess. Had all kinds of problems. And they were lining up behind different leaders. I follow this person. I follow that person. And Paul writes this wonderful statement. He says, when you act like that, are you not behaving in a merely human way? And what he's saying is that the world can understand that kind of thing. The world can understand, hey, I like this guy more, I like this guy more, or I think this guy's awesome, or that person's great, or I, I follow this TV evangelist, fill in the blank, whatever. Like, that's my guy. And Paul says that God tends to use people who are surprising to accomplish his purposes and his mission in the world. And as we live in relationship with each other, we need something supernatural to be at work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit for something to happen in our church just that people would look at it and they would think, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why are they doing that? And for us to say, yeah, we we get it. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And apart from God's grace at work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't live into this either. And here's one thing that I want you to keep on your radar and be praying about is this afternoon after this service, I'm gonna go to a meeting with the building committee. You know, we went through a big, process if you all were here during all this and then this little thing called the pandemic hit and then we were just kind of paused for a long time but we're picking all that back up and prayerfully considering what God would have us to do to try to improve our facilities to reach more people with the gospel and there's a way to go about that the group of people that kind of makes sense from a worldly perspective we would say let's get all the parties in the room and let's find out what everybody wants, and let's make sure everybody gets an equal piece of the pie. And that's a very fleshly, kind of worldly way to approach things, I think. And what would it look like for God, by the power of his spirit, to be at work among us such that we have this big overarching goal that we're all striving for together? And we have this heart for each other, and we're more like, hey, I just want to make sure that whatever we're doing we're in a position to more faithfully reach people for Jesus. And even if that means, you know, I start parking farther away, whatever. I, I'm, I'm in for that if that means we're going to reach more people for the gospel. And I'm willing to leverage my resources and I'm ready to be a part of that. And I'm ready I'm to live into something that's bigger than just me. And I think if God's gracious to be at work, in and through us in that kind of way that God gives us this common calling and passion and pursuit to then use what he's entrusted to us to reach more people for the gospel. I think that will be something attractive to people. And they'll say, I'd love to be a part of a group of people that aren't all about me. I'd love to be a part of a group of people who have this common passion and calling and everybody's pulling together in this direction to engage and to reach more people for Jesus Christ. So pray that God would continue to raise up people in our church to be engaged and involved in ministry. You're going to hear more and more about ways that you can serve. And so I want you to be prayerful that God would give you a heart and a burden to be engaged and to be involved in a meaningful way in the life of our church so that others would grow and know Jesus better. And then I want you to be praying that God would give us this common passion and pursuit, that we would be united as we move forward into God's future, that God would give us this real deep sense of what he's calling us to do to engage more people for Jesus. And I think as we see the Spirit at work in and through us, we'll we'll be amazed to stand back and say, wow, look at all that God has done. And it's not about how great we are or what we have, but it's all a testament to his grace and mercy at work in and through us. Aren't we in all that he would allow us to be a part of that? So I invite you to pray in that way. I invite you to pray with me even now. God, we thank you for the gift of this day, and we thank you for all that you've so graciously done in and through us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a real sense that everything that we have is a sign of your mercy and your grace. That we don't bring anything that you need in our hands, but you graciously give us the understanding that you're more valuable than anything or anyone else in this world. And that you would give us a calling to invest our lives outside the walls, inside the walls of this church, We would be so bold as to believe that you could use even people like us. That you will provide the power that we need to do the ministry that you've called us to. And I pray that you would increasingly make us a church that's of one heart and of one mind. As we move into the future that you would have for us to know. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you um, again so much for being here this morning. Evans, thanks for being faithful um, to follow Christ's example and to be baptized. I know that it's, it's, every time that happens, it's a reminder to me that I've been called to live under the lordship of Christ and renew that commitment in my life, and I hope that was for you as well. Um, I hope you were able to go by Hudson Hall earlier um, to, to speak with some of our staff members who God is calling to different places. Um, ben and uh, Laura Beth are there in the back. I hope that you'll go by and speak to them. If you didn't get a chance to come um, earlier to Hudson Hall as they prepare for the next season of ministry to which God has called them. And Joseph is here at the front, his wife Brianna. Maybe you'll come by and speak to them. And then one more person. Tim is not here. Well, give Tim a hard time for not being here. But I hope you'll speak to Tim. Tim is um, answering the call ministry at Mountbrook Community Church. So be prayerful for them as they enter into this new season of ministry to which God's called them. Make sure you communicate with each of these persons how much they've meant to our church. Many of the investments they've made are probably things that you and I won't even know. And so make sure you encourage and thank them and assure them of their prayers. They will be here next Sunday, but next Sunday is also a busy day in the life of the church. We have Graduate Recognition Day and Mother's Day. Everybody listen up. It's Mother's Day. Do something, okay? Don't be caught off guard next Sunday. I don't want to see you at noon at Publix in the card aisle. Okay, you've been forewarned. Um, make sure that, that you tell your mom how much you appreciate her and what she's done for you. Also, 5 o'clock tonight, the children's choirs will be presenting um, a concert here in the sanctuary. And Here's the thing. If you can come, it would be awesome just to show up for them. Right? One of the things we do for each other in church is we show up. And so if your calendar is clear at 5 o'clock tonight, just come to the sanctuary and show up for these kids and let them know how much you appreciate them and um, all the time they've put into their concert tonight. Thank you for being here. I invite you to stand, and I will um, pray a benediction over us. As you leave from this place, pray that you would go humbly and boldly to use all that God's entrusted to you for his kingdom purposes in this world, and that you would be open to his call in your life. And I pray that you would go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. You are dismissed.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts, and as always, go out and do the Lord's good work.